Welcome to Cats by 90, a podcast dedicated to you, the Big Blue Nation, basketball, football, and the latest recruiting news. If it's Kentucky sports, then it's here on Cats by 90. Now, from SB Nation's A Sea of Blue, your hosts, Big Blue Drew and Aaron Gershon. Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of Cats by 90, a podcast presented by SB Nation's A Sea of Blue. My name is Drew Brown. I'm going to be one of your regular hosts and I'll be joined as always by my good buddy Aaron Gershon. Aaron, you out there, bud? Yes, sir. How are we doing? Doing great, man. I know you're excited. I'm excited. So um, just for all the listeners and all the SB Nation fans, so this is something that Aaron and I and that all the staff members at A Sea of Blue have been working towards for some time. We're just extremely pumped to get this thing kicked off. Um, a little bit about ourselves. So again, my name's Drew Brown. I go by Big Blue Drew. And um, I'm one of the older guys, so I'm not a student. Aaron is actually a student at Kentucky. So Hopefully we'll get to bring everybody a little bit of unique perspective just based off um, the different people that we see, we interact with, and kind of the events that we cover. Like, for example, I know Aaron will be at, um, he'll be at the open practice tomorrow. He covers near all of the events on campus, which um, will really give us some good insight stuff. And um, I know you're as excited as I am, Aaron. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, this has been in the works with SB Nation for a while. Um, you know, you and I have been going with different podcasts we did wildcat country for a few months we're still while doing this one still working with kentucky game day which has been fun we've had some great guests such as todd leitner macy morris a lot of good people and we'll try to bring the same here and bring the same energy here and just you know hopefully get even more people listening um through sb nation and kind of combining the writing we already do with this heck yeah man so i'm pumped so again aaron and i we both write um and do some different contributions for a sea of blue which is obviously SB Nation's affiliate to the University of Kentucky. And this is going to be kind of a, one of the podcasts that we're starting on here. Hopefully we're going to have a couple of different, um, different ones that are kind of all be under that umbrella. But this is the Cats by 90 podcast. I'm super hype about all around Aaron, especially the name. And I was going to kind of uh, put you on the spot, Aaron, because I did a little bit of research um, over this week because I'm kind of like, you know, where did Cats by 90 even come from? I know it's right. something that's kind of um, synonymous with Kentucky. And just kind of the the big blue nation and how we view every opponent. But do you have any idea, Aaron, on the spot about where um, Cats by ninety even came from? I, I can't say I do, honestly. You know, obviously I'm from Connecticut. For listeners who don't know, so coming here, I didn't understand the saying, and I looked to see what it meant. Now I obviously understand what it means. And it, what sparked my interest is because one of the dining halls on campus, which opened probably a year or two before I got here, is the ninety, and I'm like. Okay, there's an obsession with the number 90 here. <laughs> and, um, so now I can't say I know where it comes from. Okay, so there really is no general consensus based off my research, yeah. but it's, it appears that the, the kind of um, most gravitated to theory or, or rationale behind the Cats by 90 phrase was actually from a Kentucky sports radio caller, John Short. So if, um, if you're a Kentucky fan, you probably know about Kentucky sports radio. And if you're a Kentucky sports radio fan, then you probably know about John Short. So he calls in um, to his to the pregame shows with his predictions. And legend has it is that, um, you know, he either called in and one night and said cats by 90 and it just stuck. 
or it kind of just became a thing based off him saying that. But no real general consensus. I thought it was funny. I found a few Twitter threads on that, and it was just kind of people, no, this is why. No, this is why. Wait, this is why. And actually, I want to say I had it written down, so I have to look that up. Um, when Kentucky beat Asbury in an exhibition game by like I think it was like ninety eight points or something. Oh my gosh, um, yeah, a lot of was... people thought it was from that, but it, it had been said before that. But something else interesting, Aaron, that I found out th- through a little bit of that cats by ninety research was that Cincinnati is like totally adopting this phrase, like all over their own like actual Cincinnati media is like branding this. And I didn't find this out till about twelve hours ago, or I would have already been on a rampage. But I'm gonna have to. <laughs> I'm going to have to look into this because it's not a Cincinnati thing. Like UC? Like University of Cincinnati? Like UC, the, the university. Yeah, 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 if, you, okay. if you can, while you're doing this or, or after we get done, Google that. Just Cincinnati um, Bearcats. They're like specifically football, too. I noticed that like it's a football thing that they're like reeling around on their social media page. But um, before I get too infuriated about that, I kind of <laughs> digress to, to framing up the um, the first ever Cats by 90 podcast. But Again, so I'm Drew Brown. I'll be one of your regular hosts. Aaron Gershon um, will always join me as well. He mentioned earlier through some of our other endeavors that we, you know, we do our best to get get some guests on the show, and I don't foresee that changing. Um, that's another reason that me and Aaron kind of work together good as a team. He's, um, you know, he's on campus. He's got his boots to the ground, so a lot of times he's able to kind of um, procure guests and things that I wouldn't have the chance to. But I know that I've called in a few favors already for our new podcast, and I think I have some guests that um. Some listeners are are really going to enjoy hearing from because um, I'm actually located in Louisville. That's another good key point everyone should know. So Aaron is on campus in Lexington. I'm here in Louisville. So again, it gives us a little bit of different chance and um, perspective just on based off who we see and meet. But I got a couple of good guests already um, on deck for us, Aaron. So I'm, I'm excited about that. No, that's big. And I know, you know, we've tried to get a couple of recruits in the future. Uh, we're hopefully we'll get a few recruits. I've been in touch with a few. One fell through, obviously, the date at least, but we're still trying to work something out. And, you know, let, you know we had John Young. That's another guy that we had who was just fantastic um, with Kentucky Game Day a few months ago. So guys like that and what you've got lined up, other writers and should have a lot of good people on. And even when it's just us two, hopefully we'll enjoy it. For sure. And then actually, I'll, I'll tease a little one because I'm not sure if we're going to get to do this one. But um, a good buddy of mine, actually, a um, little sidebar story is I'll, I'll be traveling 1,200 miles for my fantasy football draft here in a couple weeks, like oh I always do. So I lived <laughs> I lived in South Florida for a long time. So I take my co-commissioner duties very seriously. Um, <laughs> but but point of that story was Aaron actually. So Aaron and I were even in Jacksonville while the um, while Kentucky yep. was playing in the NCAA tournament there. And you probably remember, Aaron, that I got a pretty sweet um, tour of the Jaguars facility yes. while I was down there. So a good friend of mine in my fantasy football league does work for the Jags. So I hit him up today and I'm like, listen, uh, man, you know, I, I, he, he's actually in sales. But, you know, he's a super good football mind. He yeah. follows the team, obviously, really well. He kind of knows the inner working. So he's trying to get some clearance to hopefully um, be able to jump on the Cats by 90 podcast and maybe give us a little Josh Allen insight and we can kind of pick his brain yeah. on how things are going in Jacksonville. So stay tuned on that. Um, that one we might have to write on the um, the explicit side of the checkbox because it'll probably end up being at the fantasy football draft if I can bend his <laughs> ear. But um, that's just one example of some stuff we're going to try to do for the listeners on the pod. And please let us know. So the first thing, of um, follow us, give us feedback, subscribe to it. We'll start um, kind of sending out all the links and stuff on where you can find the Cats by 90 podcast. But you can definitely follow us on Twitter. You can check me out at... Big Blue Drew 33. 
Aaron is at agershon99. And then definitely follow the Cats by 90 Twitter page at Cats by 90. And um, very cool. Something to get us kicked off is we're actually going to be giving away two tickets to Kentucky's home opener football game on August 31st against Toledo. So, boom, right off the bat, all you got to do is um, follow the page and retweet it. So let everyone know. And if you don't go, give them away. And we'll be doing that drawing, um, I believe, on Thursday the 29th. So pretty cool. Cats by 90 pod giving away tickets right off the bat. And um, hopefully, Aaron, me and you will both be at the game covering it. I know like um, you are going to the open practice tomorrow, correct? Yes. And the plan is to be definitely at the Toledo game. And hopefully most of the home games this season. I know one, uh, my family's going to be here. So I'll be as an, I'll be a fan that day. But uh, yeah, I'm hoping to cover as many as possible, as much of these um, media opportunities as possible. And I'm really excited for tomorrow. Um, cause I haven't been on the ground this summer, obviously as a student, I haven't been around this summer. So it's kind of my first look since the spring, uh, spring game, which was, uh, if you remember, we were both there sitting next to each other in the press box. It was a whole lot of offense and defense was kind of, uh, minimal to say the least. So, um, hoping to see some improvements on the defensive side of the side of the ball and see, you know, see how Terry Wilson's progressed and a lot more tomorrow. Well, I'm going to table that, man, table it, because I'm chomping at yeah. the bit for some football, too. <laughs> it is, like, really starting to feel real. So I know we've we've mentioned that several weeks in a row um, when we've been talking, Aaron. But now, I mean, it's like you can almost feel the pads clanking. So I'm getting excited. But before we do that, man, I definitely wanted to hit a few basketball things, and then we could kind of round it out with football. And I'm definitely anxious to um to talk to you after you go to the op- open practice tomorrow. But so, whew, deep breath, finally. <laughs> August 19th, 2019, the basketball roster is finally set. It seems like 400,000 years ago since Kentucky lost Auburn in the Elite Eight in Kansas City. Just from all the news that's been going around and draft decisions and transfer possibilities, incoming transfers. And um, I actually wrote like a really long post. I guess it was on Wednesday. It was a, um, a post about the basketball roster being finalized. And then, boom, the very next day, we get one of the Calipari friend's sons transfers or additions to the team. So I think now we can finally say, deep breath, boom, it's done. The basketball roster is set. Yes, finally. And obviously, we're also waiting on uh, Nunfarley Dante. That was taking forever. Um, Yeah. So that's finally out of the way. He's going to Oregon. Good for him. But um, the roster, yep, finally set. Uh, What are we? So August, we're two months away from Big Blue Madness and the Blue and White oh, game, yeah. and you finally know exactly who's going to be on your team. So that's obviously the whole transfer thing, and I, I think the NCA has things to clean up with that, but that's a story for another time. Uh, roster set, numbers set, and uh, I mean, obviously the biggest concern is the front court. Um, I'm not as concerned as a lot of others. It's obviously going to depend on what Nick Richards arrives on campus. What I'll do all your worrying call. for you, Aaron. Yeah, you're gonna you're the warrior. I'm more the calm guy here. <laughs> but um EJ Montgomery, obviously, what type of sophomore year can he have? And then obviously the Bucknell transfer, what impact he can have as a newcomer. Can he kind of be like a Reed Travis? Um, even if he's, you know, seventy five percent of that. So really interesting, but the wings, it's absolutely stacked. Ashton Hagen's as good a point guard. Um, as you can have in the country, sporting a new number this year, by the way, which I found interesting. I don't, I like the Just number two, that. but uh, Khalil Whitney's going to be rocking the two. Hagen's down to zero. I can't say I understand it, but whatever works for him. And uh, 
you know, how many players are going to score on him this season? None. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, his defense was that good last year. We just got to get him to get in the paint and score it, man. But yeah, you addressed it right from the beginning, Aaron. So, I mean, you know, I kind of teed it up there. It was such just a long grind. I mean, maybe it was the same as normal. I don't know. This season just for me felt like it was just painstaking and like, you know, Nails on a chalkboard, just getting this roster finalized. You mentioned in Folly yeah. Dante and just kind of getting everything set. And the whole gist of those conversations, Aaron, for the entire last four or five months was addressing these in the front court and they didn't get addressed. So say that what you may, it's going to be some small ball. And I'm with you, man. I think there's probably people like me that are probably over exaggerating it. Um, but I think all people would agree that that's definitely the question mark especially if you, um, let me knock on my wooden desk here, you know, you talk about any potential injury, which we know that, unfortunately, the Cats have had big men injury yep. late in the season, you know, too many times that I want to even recall. So that's Two something of them to, last to keep year. your eye on. But, but the biggest point to me is that, and I've wrote about this so many times um, since the season ended, and really even last year when you kind of saw this coming, is that now – EJ Montgomery and Nick Richards are both going to have the opportunity to just play ball, man. They know mm-hmm. they're going to be out there. There is no, hey, you know, Reed Travis is coming in for you. Hey, you, you know, you turn the ball over. You don't know what's, yep. where you're supposed to be at on defense. PJ's taking you out. You know, his three-minute rest is going to turn into one. There is none of that. Nick Richards and EJ Montgomery are both going to have to play. They're both going to have to contribute. I think they're both capable of that. I'm constantly touting. Um, EJ Montgomery as a lottery pick as talent. He's going to have the ability to show that now. But all the dust has settled, Aaron, and I think we can all agree, too, that Kentucky's going to have to um, really play some small ball, which I think fans are going to like. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, kind of how the game is at both the NBA level and college level is um, kind of evolved is it's a three-point shooting game, and fans love the deep ball. I think it kind of started with, you know, the Steph Curry era and the Warriors and it it's just gone to all levels of basketball. Everyone loves the three ball and values the three ball. And you know, we I think I think it came from Calipari again. He's going on the this is my best shooting team thing. And you know what? This time he might just be right. I mean, Khalil Whitney. Wait, he's already said that. He already said that again. I, I, I'm not going to quote him, but someone okay might not have been. He'll him, say it if someone, he hasn't yet. He will yeah, say it. Yeah, someone said this is going to be his best shooting team, but. You know, last year, obviously, Tyler Hero, Bucket, um, you know, P.J. Washington developed a three-point shot, which at times was a lethal. Reed Travis could shoot it. Um, at times, Ashton Hagens was able to shoot it. But um, I think this year now, this I think this is going to be a better three-point shooting team than last year. Obviously, Whitney, if Hagens can consistently start hitting them quickly at the end of the year, man, he was hitting some big shots. Johnny Juzang, obviously. So this is a pretty good shooting team, and they're they're going to need to shoot the ball even better this year because, you know, EJ and Nick, like you said, both very capable players, especially EJ, and I agree with you. I think he has the potential um, to be a lottery pick, kind of like PJ was, where he really just has a dominant sophomore season. Obviously, Nick Richards, um, his expectation coming into college was to be a lottery pick, and that was, you know, that was the expectation from the media and just from the you know the basketball world that this guy coming in the seven footer from uh, New York City was going to be a uh, you know future lottery pick, and he just hasn't panned out to be half of that. So you know he has that in him though, and if he can bring it out this year now, like you said, knowing if he screws up, he's not going to be c- coming off the court. He's going to have time out there to 
play through the mistakes and build his confidence by correcting those mistakes. And if he could do that, I mean, I think the front court's going to be just fine. It's kind of interesting, too. Something that really I feel like slipped by under the radar, it was like a really busy news week. I think there was a lot of FBI stuff going around when this came out. But the NCAA rule changes, man, like the line stepping back a good portion this year. So it kind of makes me, I guess, a little, like you said, I'm the warrior. But, um, you know, with Kentucky, I think Cal for his entire tenure at Kentucky, for the most part, has really assembled teams based off the need not to have to be lights out shooting team to, to be competitive for a national championship. And one of the things that I've most appreciated about that philosophy is not only that the teams weren't necessarily set up that way, but that they understood that and embraced that. They weren't great shooting teams, especially over um, I think last year and the year previous. Um, and they didn't shoot a lot. They knew that, and they, right. I, their attempts were extremely low. So props to having, you know, freshman kids, you know, new to college basketball, especially when the easy option is to settle for a three-point jump shot. So they've done a really good job, I guess is what I'm saying, about being disciplined to their strengths. So this yes. year, if it is outside shooting, it's it's just going to be a little bit different. And um, really what I was getting at on all that is the line's moving back, man. I, I don't know if that's going to be right. a, a big yeah. deal or not. But I know Cal and all the other big-time coaches said that they absolutely expect percentages to go down. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be an adjustment. And, hey, these kids are playing. They're coming from the high school level. And, you know, they're obviously not shooting from as deep. And, obviously, some some guys are just, you know, born with the ability to shoot. Like Tyler Hero, I think he could shoot from half court consistently. That's how good he is. So we'll have to see which of these guys are just, you know, kind of like born with the gift of being a great shooter and which others are going to have to adjust to the change. And, um, I mean, we'll see if, I mean, usually if all the coaches are in agreement with something, it is going to be the case. So, you know, percentages might drop and that might force, you know, to get some better looks from inside the arc, both in the paint with the big guys, or even just, you know, um, longer jump shots from inside the, um, inside the three point arc. And that's fine too. You just got to find a way to put a ball, put the ball in the bucket. And I think with this team, it's going to, they're going to have to find an identity, um, offensively, whether it's going to be, you know, ramming it into the paint where, uh, <laughs> it doesn't seem like that's going to be option A because of who's playing in the front court or, you know, whether it's behind the line or even just deep twos. Yeah. And then, you know, it's just, it's going to be interesting to see, I guess, exactly what Cal's plan for this team is because I don't know where his mindset was. You know, was he fully expecting to get an Infale Dante? And, you know, I, mm-hmm. I just don't know if this roster ended up the way that he kind of envisioned it even a couple of months ago. I guess it doesn't really matter because he's such a conditioned coach to, you know, have this kind of turnover and be able to change the style of play and stuff like that. But I think it's really going to come down just as far as the, the kind of logistics of this team is that you're going to really also need to see guys like Khalil Whitney, who's been getting rave reviews this summer, just straight up torching the competition everywhere he stopped. And um, Keon Brooks is really being able to kind of step in and yeah. more play that power forward role, rebound the ball, you know, play some defense. And from all indications, both of them, yeah. but specifically Keon Brooks from all the practice reports I've heard yeah. is like defines that positionless player that can guard yeah. any position on the court, which I think I that'll think- be invaluable. I think he he kind of he reminds me of a Keldon Johnson type where you know you could stick him at the three, the four, maybe even the two. Um, obviously, Keldon's defense wasn't great at times, but when it was, I mean, he no one played with more energy on defense than Keldon. So if Keon can bring the energy plus the skill, 
Um, he could guard anybody, he, and he, like you said, he can pretty much play as a you know on the wing or inside, and he's got enough muscle. And I mean, six six is not necessarily the best height, but defensively, you know, his energy and um, <laughs> toughness makes up for it. I keep hearing too that um different people that I've seen the team live. Um, I've only saw him once, um, but his uh, Keon Brooks seems really tall. Everyone keeps commenting on that he yeah. looks, he's a lot taller. He's only listed than they as six six, right? Yeah, I want to I mean, say I, something I, like that. I looked it up real quick. Yeah, but um, I mean, yeah, I guess you never know. I mean, six um, seven. They have him listed at, but yeah, okay. from what I've heard, he's you know he's got tremendous length, um, and he he just looks a lot bigger. I guess more like a power forward, I think, than most people kind of just had had viewed him as kind of that that wing three player, but. Yeah, um, six seven is kind of that. Six seven is kind of that weird in between height between like three and four, don't you think? Like usually, yeah, a lot of tweeners, man. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> but you nowadays, like, I mean, how often do you hear that term positionless, positionless? Yes. So I think a tweener in college basketball yeah. is a good thing. It's kind of it's oh, kind I of tough in the awful. NBA draft. But yeah, I think for this team, there's a lot of interesting things he's going to be able to do. And um, real quick, and then I want to move on to the, um, an unfortunate topic. I hate talking about, but we'll talk about the Kenny Payne text message stuff. Yeah. But one thing that I found kind of eye-opening, like I was mentioning that I was um, I was writing something just around the culmination of the roster and it finally being completed. And as I was doing it, I'm kind of like, dang, I mean, if you, if all these players play to their potential, I mean, you're talking about, I think, nine I counted. I mean, nine true, really strong players that could, you know, potentially start or, you know, at least make a compelling case to, to play a lot of minutes. So um, we're just spoiled. The Big Blue Nation, we know this. We're spoiled. Um, we're acting like this this season was just a huge swing and a miss from a recruiting standpoint. But at the end of the day, I mean, there's there's really, really capable players on this team. And it's going to allow a lot of different options for Coach Cal to play with And um, before he does what he always does and gets the team ready for March. But um, first ever Cats by 90 podcast. If you're listening, we appreciate you. Um, hopefully you're following a sea of blue on Twitter, getting all your news from them. We have about... I don't know, 10 guys or so on staff. They're all putting in work. We try not to let anything slip by. Um, so, again, I'm Drew Brown. I'll be one of your hosts each time. Aaron Gershon's on here as well. Aaron, I didn't um, – we didn't talk about this in our very minimal show prep that we did, but I hate it. You know, it's one of my least favorite topics, but yeah. got to be discussed here quickly. Um, so, Kenny Payne, obviously, yuck. Um, his, his, you know, his name came up in some of the Michael Avenatti – um documents or court stuff or whatever and um i'm sure anyone listening has heard the news it's been a few days now today is on um, monday yeah. august 19th but yeah, basically my takeaway aaron was that so the messages i won't read them or anything but it was essentially text between kp who we know is kenny Payne, and the essentially the few texts that were exchanged were basically just informative on the fact of kind of almost like letting kenny Payne know the players that were getting paid on the Nike EYBL circuit. So you can kind of interpret that two ways. And you correct me if, if you see it differently, Aaron, or if you think that I'm wrong. But sure. the one way that I, I think this is probably the most accurate way is that Kenny Payne, whether he's seeking this information or it's being filtered to him, is basically being used by Kentucky to know who to stay away from. As an example, hey, Nas Reed. Why is, you know, why is Kentucky not recruiting a Naj Reed? Or um, there's there's tons of different examples, but we'll just use him because he plays for LSU. Ha. Mm -hmm. So they know that he's involved in some type of pay for play or in, in um, benefits that aren't allowed and that it's kind of an indicator and a red flag for Kentucky and Coach Calipari to stay away, stay away from that person. 
You know, we know for a fact that he's involved in at least talks to get paid. And we know how that's going to end up, you know, six, eight, 12 months from now. Let's stay away. On the other side of the token, you could say that, oh, no, you know, this information is being filtered or, or Kentucky seeking this information so they can level set and say, hey, Naj Reed or whoever, player X is getting paid $50,000 to go to LSU. If we want him, we need to pay sixty. So that was just my takeaway from that. Again, I think it's way more likely that it's the other side because Kentucky's just had no black eye in any of this. There's nothing tangible. Even these text messages, although Louisville fans and all the other um, college basketball fan bases want to, you know, kind of point fingers now. But I still think Kentucky squeaky queen. This doesn't reveal anything. But no doubt about it, it, it stunk waking up that morning and just seeing a Kentucky's coach's name at all linked in these reports. Yeah, no, you don't want to see this. And obviously this is going to get, you know, people uh, maybe <laughs> building an incorrect opinion or talking about stuff that really might not even be relevant. It's I think it's more an annoyance. I can't, you know, I, I'll be honest with you. I have no idea what the heck Kenny Payne was doing. I don't, if I'm him, I just, I don't get involved in the first place, whether it's, you know, if he has bad intentions or not, I just, this is not something to mess around with. Obviously, to the NCAA's credit, really, is they're really strict about all this, so they make sure it never happens again. Um, I think, you know, as, as far as, you know, pay for play or incentive, obviously, the whole Louisville thing, um, just bringing them up, not because they're a rival, but I think they handled that pretty much the right way. And um, I think, you know, they've put enough fear out there to at least – try to prevent it. I think there needs to be more done. Obviously, LSU and um, Arizona have gotten away with a lot. But um, if I'm KP, I, I just I don't know why you even put your nose in that situation. There's just no point. This brings negative publicity, negative attention, um, more questions, and honestly, just un unrest and annoyance from the fan base. I mean, there's no winners here. So I can't really, I'm kind of confused on what he was doing, what his intentions were. Like you, you know, you gave a few scenarios, but if I'm him, I just, there's no, there's no reason to be talking to those people. Yeah. Or at least we get better at it. You know, now I think <laughs> if, if this stuff does continue to go on, you know, I, I wouldn't think, I wouldn't tell him to save his number in my phone as KP. Oh, uh, that, I mean, come you know, on. And stuff like that or get it or get a burner or something. So uh. um, it, it's tough. I was listening to some sports talk radio driving home this afternoon and, um, Andy Sweeney here in Louisville actually really liked his analogy, basically, that he was using. I won't get into his whole analogy, but essentially it was just that, like, it's getting so dumb because no one really cares anymore. It's like no one's even mad that, you know, players are getting paid. And it's just kind of like slapping the wrist for things that no one really sees a, a reason to. So it's just getting out of hand. Something's going to have to change. But as we've discussed, we both hate the topics. All the listeners on the – um. The newly formed Cats by Ninety podcast here. You'll you'll find out we really like talking the X's and O's more than the FBI scandal, especially. <laughs> but um, unfortunately, it's just something that's gonna gonna keep kind of rearing its head until some things are changed. A hundred percent agreed, and let's hope we never have to hear about the story again, and they don't find more. Um, obviously, I like KP a lot. I think his media opportunities are more even more entertaining than Cal's a lot of the time. Um, he's a he's great good. guy. He is. He's good. Yeah. He's a great guy. The players really love him. You know, every player that's come through here and gone on to the NBA, especially last year's group with, um, Johnson, Hero, and Washington and on and on. They always say KP, KP, KP. 
sometimes even more than Coach Cal. So, um, you know, he's a great guy. He's loved here. And let's just hope, you know, we, there's nothing found on him. And let's hope that, you know, um, give him the benefit of the doubt that he really didn't do anything wrong that could put this program in any sort of um, bad position. For sure, man. That was a good call out too. That's kind of a good transition and some good like press conference insight and with the stuff that you go to and that, that I tag along with is that, man, a lot of people kind of on the outside looking in just kind of view Kenny Payne as that like enforcer, rah, rah, you know, mm-hmm. kind of keep the guys in check. But that is like completely inaccurate, man. That guy's calculated. He's intelligent. He's well-spoken. Um, and you're right. He has a lot to do with um, not only the players' individual success, but the team's success. And if this was anywhere but the University of Kentucky, Kenny Payne would have took a head coaching job a long time ago. He probably would have been at Louisville. He's the, he walks the walk, man. He walks the walk and he talks the talk. Like he's a really, really good basketball mind. So yeah. I feel good about the stuff, man. It's just, let's like say it sucks hearing Kentucky's name and specifically um, an individual's name linked to any of this because it just gives all the um, all the jealous people that that aren't Kentucky and aren't that have been kind of waiting to kind of cast that stone the opportunity to do so, but. Uh, let's talk about some football, man. And before we do that, let's pause real quick and we'll go ahead and get um get a little sponsor break in. All right, and we're back. Drew Brown, Aaron Gershon, the first ever Cats by 90 podcast. Aaron, I'm I'm feeling pretty good, man. I'm excited. Yeah, a lot of good stuff. And now I think um, you know, basketball is still a few months away, but, you know, football is less than two weeks. Yeah, less than two weeks away. Um, open practice tomorrow for media. Um, a lot of good stuff going on. And uh, <laughs> uh, you don't want to set your expectations too high for this Kentucky season. I think we could both agree they will not win 10 games again. And I don't think that's being critical or being, you know, showing disrespect to this team and the coaching staff by saying it but there's still a ton of reasons to be excited for this year and um, what should be another possibly top 25 finish season and, you know, continue this program grow to grow and gain respect throughout the country. Well, some people surely aren't um, as excited or, you know, believing in Kentucky because I know that it came out today that Kentucky yeah. actually received, um, was it the, was it the first AP poll? That's what it was. Uh, I want to say it was that or coaches. I don't know. <laughs> it's one or the other. But um, yeah, but I know I, that they received say zero, I... zero votes. Um, yes, which zero was votes. tough. And I don't know. Did that surprise you at all, Aaron? Just so can, yeah, it, it was the AP. It was vote? the AP. Uh, yeah, I'm looking now at the AP to see which teams did um get votes. And yeah, um, uh, yeah. I mean, you know what? Looking at some of the teams that did get votes, um, Missouri not making it. Uh, they had the most votes that didn't make it at 117. Um, Army, really good program. Mississippi State um, lost a lot, but, you know, they're Mississippi State, Miami, Northwestern. Uh, I mean, I would have put in, I would have given Kentucky a vote over, I'd say, West Virginia because, you know, West Virginia lost their quarterback and they lost just a ton of talent from last year's team. Um, new coaching staff, um, Neil Brown taking over there, obviously, former uh, UK connection there. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, you know what? I think that Kentucky deserved to have a vote or two because of what they were able to put together last year. And the fact they do have a better offensive line than most of the country. Um, Terry Wilson back for year two here. Um, AJ Rose in the backfield. Um, the, Lynn Bowden, obviously, I think he's the top 10 receiver in the country, but 
hey, man, the defense is a problem. I mean, whether we want to, you know, we're trying to be optimistic about it, there's no way around it. I think the front seven's in pretty good shape. Obviously, as good as Boogie Watson is, there's no replacing Josh Allen. So the pass rush is going to take a bit of a hit. Um, and same with the run defense because of that. Um, but the secondary man with Devontae Robinson out for the season, um, unfortunately. And, you know, you lost Derek Beatty, you lost Lonnie Johnson, you lost Mike Edwards, you lost Darius West. You lost all four of your secondary starters. So the secondary in a passing, passing happy, you know, game of football that now, you know, is kind of the trend like we talked about with three-point shooting and um, basketball, you know, the NFL is a passing lead. College football is just a passing game. It really is. And that's kind of just the transformation of the game. Um, it's not necessarily the ground and pound anymore. It's who could sling the ball around the field the most. And Kentucky's going to have to answer the Kentucky secondary is going to have to answer the bell against the likes of Jake Fromm and Kelly Bryant and Felipe Franks, Jarek Arantano, and so on throughout this season. Ooh. And yeah, it's, um, it's a tall task. Well, before we get there, um, they got to beat Toledo or play yes. Toledo and maybe even more interesting um, or make you a little more angry than Kentucky receiving zero votes in, in today's first AP poll. So USA Today's um, college football writer Paul Meyerberg actually yep. released um, some rankings himself today. And um, the listeners may find this surprising that he actually has Toledo ranked higher than Louisville. Has Toledo at yeah. 48th and the Cats at 52. Um, yeah. So Toledo is favored to win the MAC this year. Um, it's kind of hitting that time too, Aaron, where you know we've talked about the football season, you know, ever since basketball season ended. But now it's really getting into the time where we, you can kind of dive in and do some analysis and really look at these upcoming games. And hey, also too, if you want to see Kentucky play Toledo, go on <laughs> over to the Cats by 90 Twitter page at Cats by 90. Follow and retweet. We are giving away two tickets to the home opener on Saturday, August thirty first, and it's going to be a pretty pretty good team that comes in here. So I was saying, like I was Very saying today, I, I realized that um it was their third um recruiting class at the top of their conference yeah. in a row, and they're shooting for a fourth here in twenty twenty. So they're bringing some really talented players in. I think they were seven and six last season. I want to say they lost um. They lost by like three points in their bowl game to Florida Atlantic, I think. So right. it's Lane a good Kiffin. team. I think that the first quarter of of this game, Aaron, is going to be really important. I think Kentucky needs to come out, take advantage of the home crowd. I expect it to be a good crowd coming off a 10-win Citrus Bowl. So I expect the crowd to be good. It is the, it is the noon kickoff, but everyone's so excited for football that I don't, I don't know that that matters as much in game one. But that first quarter is going to be important. Over the last few seasons, I feel like, um, Kentucky's kind of came out sluggish. Was it was it Central Michigan yeah, last Central season? Mi I was going to get it right into that. They played Central Michigan, obviously from the MAC, and uh, Central Michigan historically actually is a pretty good MAC program. Obviously, Antonio Brown's played there. JJ Watt started his college career there, and they've had some winning football teams. But last year, I believe they only won one game the entire season, and Kentucky was down by ten at one point, and they didn't take the lead until right before the half when Gunnar Hope came in for an injured Terry Wilson and threw that touchdown to David Bouvier and made it a one-point game going into the half, and then the defense pitched a shutout in the second half. So um, they can't afford to do that again with Toledo because Toledo is actually, you know, yes, they're from the back. They're not a Power 5 school, but 
like you said, they've had the number one recruiting class in the um, MAC the last three years. They're on their way to number four uh, right now. Um, they've won 46 games the last five years. So I'm not great at mental math, but I believe that's, yeah, nine wins. So less they're than averaging 10 nine a wins a year. Um, <laughs> yeah, less than 10, but nine's pretty dang good. Um, and, yeah, you know, yeah, it is. what's and, um, interesting about them. Football... Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, what's interesting about them is, I don't know if you know this, but their best offensive player uh, is a Kentucky transfer in Bryant Kobach, who had 917 rushing yards last year, 14 touchdowns. That was his redshirt freshman year, and he's coming in here as a redshirt sophomore, and obviously he was buried behind Snell and, I guess, Rose and you know a lot of decent running backs here at UK, to say the least. And he's at Toledo doing his thing, and I, I guarantee you he's going to be hungry. And it's not the same Kentucky defense that's going to be there to stop him this year. Um, what, maybe a little Toledo trivia, Aaron. Do you know the, the the most famous coach to ever coach at Toledo? Oh, man. Um, Nick Saban, right? Yeah, yeah, Nick Saban. Actually, I think I knew that, but like yeah. it, I said, I was looking into a little bit today. I so, was... yeah. Nick Saban was the coach there in the 1990s. I was trying to think, was he Toledo or Kent State? Maybe he was both. Yeah, he played at Kent State, and then he, he was a grad assistant. He was a linebacker's coach at Kent State. Toledo head coach 1990, just one year, and then he went on to become yeah. uh, the defensive the coordinator crazy, for so the Browns. Saban, Saban hired at Toledo in December of 89. The team were coming off of um, – Consecutive six and five seasons in eighty eight and eighty nine. Boom, Saban takes over ninety nine and two. <laughs> like yeah, co champion of the yeah. Match. And then like, he went to the NFL for a defensive coordinator gig. He was only there for one season. So yeah, they, yeah. And they have some pretty good. I'm looking at their alumni. Some pretty decent alumni um, to come out of you know Toledo, <laughs> um, the Rockets. That's an interesting. I mean, name. it's getting to be about that trash talking time. So I'll just Gary I'll just Finkel jump in was there, there for nine I, years, by the way. Oh, okay. That's another one. I drive to Michigan quite a bit in uh, Cleveland every now and then. I got friends and family in Cleveland and Michigan. And I often have to frequent through Toledo. And it might be the most miserable place on the face <laughs> of the planet. Is that right? Every, every time I drive through Toledo, I'm just like, ugh. So. And it's about to be that trash talking time. So hopefully they come in. And again, I think that first quarter is just going to be critical. Kentucky just needs to come in. You yes. mentioned earlier when we were covering the spring game, just about how more fluid the offense looked. I get it. It's the spring. We lost Josh Allen. We lost Lonnie Johnson. But that offense can come out, air the ball out a few times, get my man Lynn Bowden in some open space, you know, maybe let A.J. Rose break loose. And then from there, you know, I could see Kentucky really laying the hammer on them. But they, they have to come out focusing. College football is just a strange beast like that, Aaron, because like us just going through the rankings and stuff, there's sure to be somebody that's in the unanimous top 25 that's basically just going to suck this year. Like oh, it yeah. can be really difficult, you know, in sure. the preseason to to really predict football um, for the most part, you know, or, or I shouldn't say for the most part, but in, in some instances. Um, oh, but you're totally right. So, And I not mean, a lot of people at, are betting on Kentucky. Look at Florida, not last year. They had a pretty good bounce back year, but the year – uh, they came here. We almost had them at the end of that game. They were, came in here ranked, I think, 20th. I think they started the year in the top 15 or something like that. And they won, what, four four games, five games? Uh, the last year in the uh, – uh, what's that? Goofball that was their coach before Dan Mullen, who's a fantastic coach. But uh, whatever, uh -huh. McElwain. McElwain? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's at Central Michigan now, as we were talking about earlier. But – um. 
Uh, yeah, it, there really is. There's always that one team in the top 25 at the beginning of the year that, you know, <laughs> just stinks by the end of it. And then the vice versa, you usually have a team or two that in Kentucky was one of them last year that creep into the top 15 and at one point, even the top 10. And they're like, how the hell did they get here? And, uh, you know, the UK is going to hope to do that again for the second straight year. Obviously, it's going to be a lot more difficult. I think UK was more of a predictable. I know they didn't get the credit and not many people did, but they were more of a kind of safe sleeper pick last year because you had Josh Allen, you had Benny Snell, you had all those great secondary players like Lonnie Johnson and Derek Beatty who were experienced and both super long at 6'3". Um, but this year, obviously, the secondary is just very, very worrisome. The front seven, you lose Josh, you still have a lot of talent there. And the offense, you know, uh, good shape really is in good shape. But, you know, there's still some questions outside mm-hmm. of Lynn Bowden, who I I don't know about you, but I think he's going to be double teamed a lot this year because there's so, someone needs to emerge as kind of a WR2. Who's going to be that second receiver? Last year was supposed to be Dorian Baker. He had a terrible season. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair to say. Um, so who's going to emerge as that second wide receiver threat? So there's a lot of question marks with this UK football team. Um, Toledo uh, maybe even has less talent, question, uh, less question marks, but obviously you're always going to get more talent, even if it's, uh, you know, an Arkansas or Ole Miss who are two programs down right now. You're going to have more talent on these SEC rosters. It's just a matter of going out there and doing your job. And Kentucky obviously has plenty of enough talent to go out there and beat Toledo, but they've got a mesh. And like you said, they can't afford a bad first quarter for bad first half this year. Cause Toledo is a team that will put you away. Whereas central Michigan last year in this, you know, same game, um, obviously Kentucky fell behind by double digits, but central Michigan is simply a bad team. You know, there's kind of, there wasn't really any doubt that they were to come back and beat them. If you're down 17, seven against Toledo, I don't know if you're winning the game. And man, this ain't basketball either. Like, you know, right. Kentucky can't come out game one, get their doors blown off against Duke, and then, you know, kind of re regroup, figure it all out, and get them in March. I mean, every game is so important because it's such a, you know, a points based eye test system. Sure. So that there's no room for that. And I know I'm hype. I'm going to be in Kroger Field. If you're listening and you want to be there too, follow us. Give us a follow on Twitter at CatsBy90. Just follow that link and retweet it. Um, and then you'll be entered to win. We're going to pick that winner on Thursday, probably sometime around lunchtime. And then uh, I was looking through Aaron too, um, just through some like some of my videos from the spring game and stuff, just trying to find some stuff maybe to post to our new Twitter page. And I believe it was the first play of the game, but but maybe I have a solve for your double teaming Lim, Lim Bowden. Um, because I'm pretty sure they put him in as quarterback on the first play, <laughs> and then he tossed it to Terry Wilson and they threw it back. And it was um, one, it was early the in the game. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, yeah that maybe was that'll a fun be it. Maybe in some uh in some shotgun or something uh, or some wildcat i don't i don't foresee that happening very often but i also have a pretty funny video that i'll try to maybe link to the page right of, um if you remember at the yeah, press conference i knew I where asked, you're going um, with that yep <laughs> yeah i asked Lynn if he was i asked lynn all right i think i basically asked them both um lynn bowden and aj rose who was the fastest on the team me me and you can me, imagine yeah. <laughs> you can imagine their answers and, and they yeah. were ready to go run in jeans to prove it so right. Maybe we'll have to pick that up, but yeah. I'm hyped for football, man. I'm hype about the new Cats by 90 podcast. Um, I know, Aaron, you have some 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 really cool new stuff going on in, in your media life yeah. um, that's going to really hopefully allow you to some some cool stuff to talk about on the podcast and we can get some guests on. But um, killer episode one. I hope everybody listened and um, enjoyed themselves that was listening. 
You can follow me, Drew Brown, at BigBlueDrew33. And you can follow Aaron Gershon at agershon99. And as um, far as the frequency goes, we're planning on doing at least one of these a week, um, at least, maybe more, like I said, as we're kind of um, yeah. brushing think, shoulders with people. I, I think it'll we also, might get some it'll probably also depend on newsiness and all that good stuff. I mean, I think you and I like to record together after games when we're both working, so we'll probably mix in a couple of that, kind of have like reaction podcasts that are not as long. We did that after both games in Jacksonville and actually got a Those lot could of, be rated yeah. explicit too you never yeah. know so we, yeah we it depends on the game we can check on here right cleaner yeah. i think this one we, we kept it pretty clean but yeah those yeah. uh specifically basketball for me i, never, I really <laughs> have to taper my emotions um as the listeners will find yeah. out for basketball well, luckily they yeah, won, no, luckily they idea. won both yeah luckily when we did that down in jacksonville uh the first game was obvious uh actually i think we did it after the first one we didn't do after the first game because there was a second game going on you were taking pictures but we did it after the media session for the Wofford game. And then obviously we did talk at right after the Wofford game on the floor. And that's when Adam Zagoria, uh, I guess you could say rudely interrupted. Adam yeah. Adam Zagoria joined us kind of as a, a little bit of a thank you for videotaping his Frisbee stunt. So <laughs> yeah. well, um, it's a story for another day, another time. It is good yeah. summer radio though, but that's so true, Aaron, because um, you, you weren't with me in Kansas city, but um, I pretty much pouted like a three-year-old girl after the Elite Eight. I was so sad. It, it just, it still, it still, is, um, still rips at my my heartstrings. But it's just because we care. The Big Blue Nation cares, and we love Kentucky sports. And that's our goal is just to kind of bring you some unique perspective on the Cats by Ninety podcast. So hit us up, shoot me and Aaron a message if there's maybe somebody specific that you'd like to hear from, like in the media or recruit or something. We can try to hit them up and see if we can get them on. If there's a certain format of the show that you like. Our goal is just to make it enjoyable. We like doing it. So um, we're looking forward to the future with Cats by 90. And um, we will post this link and we will hopefully um, catch up here soon, Aaron. Yes, sir. Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow Cats by 90 on Twitter at Cats by 90. You can also follow Aaron and Drew at agershon 99 and at BigBlueDrew33. And remember, no matter the opponent, It's always Cats by 90.